All right, we're officially live. It is the midday news stream, and my name is Mike. I got my other guy here, Mr. Paul Halfdollar. How you doing, Paul? Doing good today, Mike. I'm still getting confused on which way the camera does it, but uh, it's good to talk to you. I'm doing good this Thursday morning, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, as always, because it just doesn't ever stop with this crazy world we're living in right now, Mike. Yeah, it does not stop, and so we'll continue on. So the best thing we can do as a alternative media news source is try to keep people up to speed with what's going on and then, of course, bounce ideas off each other because as of right now, this is all uh, – you know, I, I thought of the word you mentioned a minute ago, conspiratorial thought, and so we don't know what's going on. We know something is happening. Now it's a matter of how it plays out, so we're going to try to go through some things. Mm-hmm. And as always, before I dive further, I want to just acknowledge a couple people uh, via the via the live stream for what I can see. Mr. Low Blood Pressure's in the building. We got Rolf, we got Rowdy, we got Gary, Morning Light, and uh, we got uh, Babar. So we got a couple people tuning in. So I appreciate you guys uh, for joining us. And so before we begin, I actually want to make it uh, known that the goal is if you guys are interested, if you want to get your thoughts and if you want to take it out there far right field, uh, feel free to just in the chat, you know, because once again, these videos, every video we've done has been demonetized. So there there's no effort or no desire to support uh, those that think outside the box. So with that being the case, what I want to do for Super Chats, if anybody wants to become a contributor to this work, feel free to share uh, in, uh, via Super Chat with a thought, idea, and then we'll definitely address it. So, But other than that, we're going to dive right into it, Mr. Habdala. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yep, sounds good. Um, the attacks aren't going to stop, and they're only getting worse. Actually, I write, wrote up an article yesterday, and I called it the press war mm-hmm. because I don't know if you followed that, but yesterday morning, Beijing revoked the press credentials for three Washington Post or New York Times or Wall Street Journal. I can't remember which paper, but three journalists. Mm-hmm. And then immediately the United States said, like an hour later, the United States said that five news agencies have to register as foreign agents in the United States. And one of them was uh, Sinwa, that, yeah. that X-I-N-U-A-H or whatever it was called, like one uh-huh. of the common uh, Chinese sources of information. So there is indeed a press war going on. And the angle that I take is, you know, it's setting up that alternative media. They're going to be considered like, you know, a rogue faction and a hostile faction at that. So if you don't tow the government's line or if you don't, you know, say something that the government doesn't like for wherever it is that you're residing, whether it's China or the U.S., man, the alternative media is going to keep getting attacked, Mike. Right. And I remember, you know, starting two years ago is when I noticed changes on the on my side as far as, you know, the fake na- the fake news push. And so that was a pretty popular movement of which a lot of channels were flagged and deleted and all stuff like that. And so my thought was, as we mentioned at the end of last year, this year I anticipate more of an attack and more of a dialing down to control the narrative because they don't want conspiratorial facts coming out to where it causes people to question because all along the goal is to keep you dumbed down and distracted with what they want to put in front of you while they work on the back end and as a, as a part of the re- re- rebooting of our monetary system. So, <laughs> yeah. So one, one thing that led me to want to really get into this global, uh, you know, situation we're in, facing now with the supply chain. So I've been hearing more people talk about, you know, we're we're running down, a, we're coming down a home stretch of only having a certain amount of goods that are on shelves now. And we're just in time type of uh, system over here. And by China having shut down all operations, I'm hearing more and more news stories about how, you know, Apple and everybody's coming out with the fact that this this slowdown or stoppage of production will have ramifications. And my thoughts are by beginning of summer, more than likely, or maybe sooner, 
that we're going to really witness how much uh, our cut our the global economy is dependent upon the goods out of China. And so with nothing coming not from that direction anymore, how will we respond will be the question, because we don't have any reserves of any type of food or, you know, and electronics, as you hinted at earlier. You know, once again, people are going to find out their priorities when the latest iPhone comes out and they are not able to get it or can't afford to get it or don't want it. And so that's another blow to Apple and all those other technology places. So mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on that, Mr. Half Dollar? Yes, definitely. You know, I'm starting to wonder, are product launches just going to be postponed or delayed? Because I really think that's going to happen because, you know, like like the last 10 years especially, um, it kind of reminds me of like the 50s and 60s. Obviously, I wasn't alive back then, right? But just yeah. the general atmosphere with car dealerships. Like, remember, you'd see those things where like they cover up the interior showroom floor with like paper so nobody could see in because the new model was coming out and everybody would get excited about the cars. You yeah. probably know a little bit of that history yeah. um, where where people would get excited for the new product releases. And it's not quite the same effect anymore with like, you know, the Internet and leaks and stuff like that. But the, the technology space is kind of the same like it where people get excited about the new releases. Mm-hmm. These new releases could definitely be postponed and delayed because, you know, the stats that I was looking at this morning say that China is responsible for 75 percent of cell phone um production in the world and 50 percent of computer production um you know i follow computer component prices and they've just been going up ever since we started talking about this and what's interesting is the number of cases are starting to you know chris mortensen actually said exponential he said Mm -hmm. exponential um for the number of cases outside of china and where are we starting to see these cases right now we're starting to see it in areas where you know there's probably market participants hoping that can this slack can be picked up from losing the manufacturing in china for instance yeah. japan and south korea you think of them as technology and electronics manufacturing powerhouses but they're starting to have major problems with this pandemic thing so yeah. those are my initial thoughts any thoughts you got to that yeah. So once again, we're a consumer nation. And so if all those goods, so those goods for the last, uh, what, 20 years primarily have become staple points for our economy. And so if it's not some type of good electronic good coming from that region, Walmart wouldn't exist. Walmart wouldn't be the big behemoth of a business it is in our country if it wasn't for all those goods over there. And then you have what has become the main disruptor in the shopping scene these last couple of years and happens to be Amazon. So everything Amazon sells, for the most part, to my knowledge, comes from that region as well. And they have warehouses with some supplies in it, of course, because they're doing all that, you know, rebuilding and trying to make it convenient to get something sent your way within a couple of hours. And so once again, what will Amazon have? So we got all the Amazon, Amazon infrastructure being built out. We got the Amazon Prime drivers and all those businesses that are built upon Amazon being able to deliver stuff. But if they're not getting sourced from that region, then how does that really impact you know us on a daily on a daily basis? So yeah. we're gonna find out we're, we're real soon, I think. Yeah, that's a good point, and it makes me to think of like um like 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 the little guy in this because sometimes we talk about different income streams and how to have different income streams, and yeah. you know I I don't know how much you talk about this or look into this. Um, you know I've seen this obviously. I don't do this myself, and yeah. you know I don't participate in this, but. There's a lot of sellers like on Amazon and eBay that do what they call like drop shipping is my understanding. And Uh, what they do is like you buy like something, right? Let's call it, you know, a keyboard, mouse and gaming headset mm -hmm. combo. And you think you're buying it from somebody and like you are buying it from somebody in the United States, but it's getting drop shipped from China. Right. So imagine all of these like little guys, so to say, not to be derogatory in any sense of the word. 
But just people that are doing this as an income stream, wow, that's like instantly cutting off one of those income streams there. Because how are they going to have, you know, how if if the big companies are having trouble, how's yeah. one person going to be able to handle it? That's what I mean by the little guy there. Now, here's another thing that's really, really popular. So we're, we're, we're in the alternative media space. And so we're on YouTube. That's the primary driver for the viewership. So everyone is tuning in. Uh, you know, they're they're used to always going to their phone for access to information via YouTube. Now, the biggest movement on YouTube is the the, the electronic review people. So if you look at all the big name guys out there who have a million subscribers, 400,000 subscribers, they're reviewing products on a daily basis. They're getting phones sent in, all types of free stuff to review them. And so they come from the pretty the, the big manufacturers like the Samsungs and all the small up and coming, you know, uh, technology things. And so their entire business model is based upon unboxing packages and revealing them to the world. So if there's no new technology coming their way and there's nothing worthwhile, it's going to have to it's going to cause a, a change in everyone's uh, uh, YouTube and strategy, especially yeah. if it's built upon consumerism. Like they're encouraging people to, to, to look at this phone, look at this speaker system or whatever. Mm -hmm. Once again, that, that's going to disrupt their flow as well. So. Yeah, like for my personal free time, I watch a lot of like uh, computer like troubleshooting and building and repair mm -hmm. videos. And and I know exactly what you're talking about. They get all those samples all the time. And yeah, this is a dynamic where the problem is, is that they don't even see it coming because everybody's kind of still downplaying it. Right. But think yeah. about this. I don't know if you got that first link that I sent you uh, or not the first link, just the one about Maersk. Right. So so yeah. Maersk is a shipping container company, right? The shipping containers. Yeah. And just, this is just coming out today. And here's a few things to think about, right? Maersk said today on February 20th um, that they've already canceled 50 sailings over the coronavirus. And you're thinking, mm -hmm. well, you know, it's only 50 ships, but these are huge ships and they hold, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many shipping containers they hold, but they hold lots of shipping containers. Yeah. Um. So they, and that's just since the, end of the new lunar new year extension so that's just recently here and yeah. remember that a couple weeks ago and it was actually two weeks ago steve mnuchin said well you know we don't see any signs of a supply chain disruption we're, we're going to need a couple weeks to see if anything comes about how's he going to try and you know downplay it now when there's just signs <laughs> all around but here's yeah. the thing that i want to want to bring to your attention mike is this is Maersk, right and they're saying you know um uh, a couple things here to note. We estimate that factories are operating at 50 to 60% of capacity. I think that's mm -hmm. high, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, yeah. They expect production to ramp up to 90% by the first week of March. So just a couple weeks here, Mike. Mm -hmm. And then um, something about 1%. Where did it say 1% in this article? But it said something about, um, oh, okay. Um, the forecast for shipping volume growth of less than 1% is pretty downbeat. So you know, think about this, right? Maersk is a public traded company. They're going to give you the rosy picture because yeah. they don't want to spook investors, right? They don't want people selling Maersk. So think about that. Probably the number is low, is lower than what Maersk is saying. And they're saying, well, we're still going to grow. Could be less than 1%, but we're still in growth mode. We're still in growth mode. The economy is collapsing and companies are still saying we're, we're growing and, and, you know, we're just going to grow a little bit slower. Yeah. Now watch this. The biggest, the biggest... Now, I won't say it's a lie, but it's a boost of confidence. Everything that comes out from the mainstream narrative, mainstream media or mainstream narrative has to be something that's overly optimistic. And so just saying 50, 60 percent slowdown or whatever up to capacity, that's a very nice number. 
But yeah, think about this. If, if China is on complete lockdown, if majority of the regions that produce all the production are on lockdown because everyone's been either they're either self-quarantined or forced quarantine, that means that they're not really working. Therefore, how could capacity be 56 percent? And mm -hmm. so I would imagine that how can you give a time frame of March when no one's currently working? And then there there hasn't even been a resolution or a down uh, or a, 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 a solution to their health issue they're having there. So mm -hmm. that 30 day window that they're giving us is like, okay, that's overly optimistic when you don't even have a cure or know even where it's coming from or why it's there. And then also I, we go put the hats on the minute on some conspiratorial stuff if you want, because I got some thoughts based upon all the information I've gathered. And of course it's always good to have the audience chime in let me know what they think. But um, once again, March. Okay. Come on. I don't believe that one bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because here's the other thing, right? It's like, you know, if you have a car, right? If if you don't drive that car, if that car just sits there, the car mm -hmm. is like kind of like, I don't want to say breaking down, but like the battery goes dead, the tires yeah. go flat. Like if you're not actively driving your car, it is essentially like deteriorating. So these factories that have been idle for over a month now, you know, it's like these mm -hmm. factories, it's not like, and it's not like, you know, oh, we're up to 90%. We're just going to flip the switch. And then all of a sudden we're ramped up at full production again. No, I mean, they're going to have to do some maintenance because these factories are decaying as they're not being used for what they're intended to be used for. Um, exactly. And watch this. One of the one of the concerns will be, I would imagine, as the health situation, either whether it improves or get worse or it remains the same as it is now. I would imagine it's going to be a while before the actual employees of all those plants and corporations that are currently no not, not producing anything. It's going to be a while before they actually have confidence to probably come back out into society and then have the, the excitement of getting back, getting back to work. And then just out of sheer fear that unless you. Uh, you know, however, however, it's officially spread over there. They're 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 quarantining actual physical items. So the confidence of going back into your office building and and wanting to touch that the doorknob and wanting to touch the like, how do you sanitize and 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 mm -hmm. remove all the even the, the the topical concerns of contracting it again, especially if they don't know how to contract in the first place outside of the respiratory aspect. So yeah, it's not going to be smooth sailing right back into work anyway, and it cannot happen in thirty days, in my opinion. Yeah, and a lot of those places, if you're talking about electronics manufacturing, some of those places have to have good air conditioning in them. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those have very, you know, because because you got to have like, you know, you know, proper temperatures, right? When you're testing mm -hmm. equipment, they have to be running at optimal temperatures. So you just can't have unair conditioned, you know, unrefrigerated rooms. You got to have, you know, it could because my point there is they talk about aerosolization of mm -hmm. the virus too, right? So, you know, even if you're disinfecting doorknobs and bathroom stalls and whatever, you still got it floating through the HVAC system. Yeah. Um, which so, is another concern there. Oh, so what I noticed is super chat here from Mr. Glenn. It says, I enjoy Tuesday and Thursday shows with Paul. Thanks, Mike and Paul, for the information and discussion. Mr. Glenn, I appreciate you for taking the time to share your thoughts with us as well as uh, supporting the channel. So thank you, my friend. Definitely doesn't go unnoticed. So if you got any questions, feel free to ask or whatever. We'll definitely uh, make sure that they're noted. So thank you, my friend. Yes, absolutely. That's good stuff. Uh, we appreciate that, Glenn. That, that's, uh, you know, don't know how to say that that's good stuff, right? It kind of makes me feel like PBS, right? Like back yeah. in the day, you know, if you support this channel or viewers like you or however they used to say it, um, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's good stuff. So, so yeah. So, you know, it's just, there are supply chain distractions coming disruptions yeah. and we have been, you know, 
talking about several different dynamics over the course of um, every single day. Did mm -hmm. I talk about Land Rover Jaguar? You didn't. You mentioned, I think, last week. Is there something? Yeah. Let me well, well, no, that was that was yesterday, yeah, right? Okay. So now, right? So we've spoken about, um, and actually, we put up one of the articles from Zero Hedge on Silver Doctors about that. Uh, but okay, so so let's just recap for a sec. We got all yeah. these auto factories in China that are shut down. We got problems with Fiat in Serbia. We've got problems with Nissan in Japan. We've got problems with Hyundai in South Korea. Now it's come to the UK with Land Rover with Jaguar land rover yeah. um so you know it's another country automotive sector it's like it's all interconnected right this should be like alarm bells going off saying that yes i mean the world really does require china even if you think you're buying a british vehicle it still requires inputs from china yeah so here's our um, article on the screen here it says jaguar land rover automotive says it may never recoup the sales lost because of the deadly health scare outbreak that stifled production and kept customers away from dealerships in one of the company's biggest markets. Mm -hmm. So right here. So here's my thing. A apart from the very automotive concept in general of how a new model comes out every year, that's all fine and good in a consumer based economy. So the U S and the developed world are the only ones that actually think about going out the next year and up and upgrading to a newer model anyway. And I think this whole health scare situation will really put the consumer's perspective or, or or priorities into perspective. Like, so once again, if your health is your primary concern, then your financial stability and long-term effects on the markets and stuff like that, you're not really concerning yourself with the latest and greatest model. So no matter what bells and whistles you put in that coupe or that truck, it's like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I, can, I can manage with what I have now. No need to upgrade, no need to trade in, I'm fine. So just the idea that these concerns for the next six or seven months will make will mean that no one will more than likely be willing to go to a dealership, especially if you're following all these events here, because how important is a new car when you may not have a job at the end of summer because your corporation has to lay off because of they're not profitable because they're not no longer, you know. So the the the, the chain of events that will unflow will lead to nobody really wanting to go to a dealership in the first place. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, yep. I've got a contact that works at an auto parts manufacturer in Ohio that I'm starting to talk to. And I think mm -hmm. next week we're going to be talking with them hopefully here. Um, and the bottom line is the automobile um, supply disruptions are starting mm -hmm. to manifest in the United States in and of itself. Yeah. Um, it's just not being discussed right now, but it's coming. I mean, it's going mm -hmm. everywhere. And that goes on what we hit on Tuesday. You know, what's Mexico's plan? Their plan is to just get parts from the U.S. and Canada. But if the U.S. and Canada don't have parts, then sorry, no luck with that. Yeah, now watch this. And so just from the very thought of a video I did, I think it was end of beginning of last uh, middle of last year, yeah, about how 2019 started off with all the automotive companies with their expectations of what they were going to need to do in order to be profitable. And so GM laid off 30,000, four was 10. Was, so the big three here in the state of Michigan in the region of Detroit started off 2019 laying off, and they had forecast on what they were going to do by 2020 to to have the rollover for electric vehicles and trying to get caught up to speed with competition and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they were projecting major losses then. And that was not even factor in this current economic slowdown that's been brought on by this health concern. So the numbers they threw out last year will definitely take effect this year because if no one's going to the lots to buy cars, the inventory will get backed up and then they're going to be running major losses. And then there's going to be a lot of debt defaults 
and then it's going to be more layoffs. So everything is about to be ramped up real yeah. soon. And I think this summer will be that prime time. And yeah. it's unfortunate. Like I remember Absolutely. last year mentioning about how this year, if you didn't have worked out some details in how to pre prepare and brace for getting a pink slip, like, you know, you, you should have been prepared just in the same way as far as having some extra food and stuff like that. Just cautionary measures that you should take on your own because no one's going to do it for you are things that we all should have been doing well before now, just in case. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long rant. No, that was good. Um, and absolutely, because oh, I got something playing in my head again. Um, okay, I, I make sure that's not on me. Uh, that could be on me. Stop sharing. Let me see. That could be on me. All right, I cl I closed the window, so I'm not sure that was me or not. Oh, okay. Anyway, I saw something. Did you hear some music too? I did not hear no music. Oh, okay. Well, because <laughs> I always got like 20 million tabs open, so like one, you know, the coders are so bad now with like these video ads that they just start playing and they're not automatically set to mute. So it's like, whoa, I got music playing in my head all of a sudden. But um, what I was going to show you, and actually I think I linked to it, um, is last no December of 2018 there were mm -hmm. reports of, and I can't remember what that said. I'm going to pull it up because actually, um, uh, there were reports that you know, uh, from December 2018 where we were discussing the fact that uh, Land Rover Jaguar um was cutting 5,000 jobs at the beginning of 2019 because of problems. So yeah, this is going on exactly what you're talking about. These companies are already in massive problems and now this is hitting. So yeah. it's not a rant at all. This is just the natural progression of, you know, going from bad to worse, right? Yeah, and that's the thing like what's going on now, unfortunately no one could have foreseen this event occurring to where it would be the trigger. Like to me, this is the this is the potentially the trigger. And here's what's going to happen. And what we're witnessing already the intervention of central banks around the world. Like if you're a central bank, your government, the governmental politician structure, they're telling central banks or they're OK. They're going to be OK with central bank intervention, because if they don't get involved in these markets, there will be no more markets. And so the risk, the financial risk, short and long term, has been exponentially sped up because now central banks have to get involved, therefore more stimulus, therefore more artificial propping up of everything. And then you think about the overinflated valuations already. What are, are you really, do you really think you're invested in a healthy sense in these markets, even if you're still participating? Mm -hmm. Because it's artificial in nature. So your risk also goes up with this artificial stimulus that's underway and that's coming and it, it can't last forever. So when it's withdrawn or it's going to have to continue on exponentially or longer than normal, which means that you're at more risk than ever. And then there's no way of getting out of these markets in a healthy environment. So, yeah. And, and yeah. I started thinking about even if the Fed is able to prop up the stock market, well, they're not going to be able to stave off the inflation that's coming on Main Street. Because as more people start to understand that the supply chain disruptions is real, that the supply chain disruptions are real. Mm -hmm. You know, the Fed could pump money into the stock market, but people are going to be taking their money and they're going to be buying real things while there's still real things to be bought. Yeah, and um, it's actually going to be doing a video later on on just the, the, the risk and rewards for you and for, for millennials in general. Like, you know, we're witnessing the baby boomer crisis right now as far as all those promises uh, from pensions that are, are underfunded and all that stuff. Then you have the very scare of will you will you outlive your money will be another issue. And then the third one is that all those prior ones are dependent upon the health of this market. 
And so is that, you know, that's one of the questions I'm going to be throwing out there. Is it really investing or are you gambling? You're hoping that things turn out the way that you hope they will. But you factor in all these counterparty risk of the health economy, da, 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 da. You know, it's just it's unfortunate where I think as millennials, we're not fully vested in this system just yet because we still got 20, maybe 30 years of work. If you choose to retire to really sit back and watch and say, OK, let me just, you know, meet. I'm like for me personally, I'm like, let me get out of these markets and just be an observer. I'm not I'm not concerned with the rewards because I'm, I'm you know, the risks are much higher than the rewards to me. I rather focus on things that are constant, that are not subject to the manipulation of central banks in the form of things that are actually real, which are tangible, physical metals, as well as land and things on a periodic table. You know, those are things that are constant. They're just, they've been around, they're going to be around and they're not subject directly to other people's mishandling or mis or misdealing. So yeah, mm -hmm. I ran too much, I think. No, well, no, that's well said because, <laughs> you know, the NASDAQ, right? The NASDAQ yeah. is an exchange. That's what Apple is listed on. Apple's yeah. already said they're experiencing problems. And, and I don't know if it's a new all time. Well, actually, it looks like we're plummeting right now um, after, you know, obviously getting ramped up again this morning. It's, um, gonna be bad. It's, not, it's not plummeting bad. The Dow's only down 183. But as far as the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ's still hitting all time record highs, Mike. Before the day is over, we're going to be back in the green again. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how crazy it is out here. Like you can have all this stuff going on, companies admitting that they're going to be taking some hits, but all of a sudden their shares go up. Like, yeah, like yeah, and sugarcoating the hits. They're sugarcoating the hits is what they're doing right now. <laughs> um, they're trying to make it sound like, well, you know, it's just a little scratch here, and you got your arm cut off. You know, it's not just yeah. a little scratch, right? <laughs> um, you know, your entire supply chain's been disrupted. Oh, um, but everything which, is fine. So, so, so let's talk about the Fed a little bit since we're talking okay. about. Um, you know, just the funny money and the and the phony expansion and the artificial injections into the stock market. Yeah, the minutes came out for the January meeting, and I can't. I don't even really look at them that much. But I just wanted to, you know, just bring one little thing or two little things to the attention here. Um, and I uh, uh, put this little article up yesterday on Silver Doctors, and I got to yeah. reopen it since I had that noise playing in my head here. Um, but basically, there's a couple things I want to talk about from the yeah. minutes. Um, yeah. because it has to do with one of my favorite. Uh topics, which is inflation. Um, so I'm going to just read while you have yep. that, the bold yeah, areas. Go ahead. So basically they're talking about um, their 2% objective and they're saying, you know, some of the participants, so this is at the very end of January, the 29th, right? And I think mm -hmm. it might've been 29th and 30th or 28th and 29th or the 30th and 31st. But, you know, most participants um, express concern that symmetric inflation range around 2% follow, um, following an extended period of inflation, mostly running below 2% could be mm -hmm. misperceived as a signal that the that we're comfortable with continually continually missing below our inflation objective. So the, the, basically they're saying we're worried that the image that we're portraying is that we're not able to get inflation up. That is mm -hmm. literally what the Fed is discussing. I mean, what kind of a backwards world do we live in? And then it gets better, right? And then it gets better. It says at, near the end of that. And that's just one paragraph in the minutes. Yeah. Um, participants, so as in the FOMC members, um, also stated that employing an asymmetric operational range for a time uh -huh. with 2% being at the lower end of the range, the lower end of the range. So now it's not mm. to get up to 2%. Now it's to be above it and not go down below it, right? Yeah. Um, that if, if we can do that and get inflation above 2% and make sure it doesn't go down below it ever again, then, mm. you know, in the longer term, that could help um, people's expectations about our ability to be able to create inflation. It's like, this is what the 
Fed is talking about, how to destroy savers, how to destroy the value of the dollar. And it's just like, well, yeah, great. And they got a plan. They're going to take care of these markets. And they're coming out saying stuff like this, Mike. Yeah, like like literally. So if, if people really, if people, if the mainstream or just people in general knew all the uh, what this all means is they're 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 trying to figure out ways to minimize your purchasing power. Like that's all this this uh, what it boils down to in a nutshell. They're trying to take two percent off top. They're trying to tax you two percent according to their measurements, knowing dang well there's well above two percent already. Mm-hmm. But what that means is just you're going to work harder. You're going to do you're going to save more. You're going to do everything as normal on your end while on the back end. They're trying to take away more of your purchasing power. <laughs> and so you're, you're going to lose. It's, it's a no win situation in a fiat debt based system. If you're depending everything upon your national currency and doing business in your national currency. So, <laughs> yeah, man, like this is and, real. And not only that, but think about that. They're still on the deflation trip, right? This Mm. supply shortage, in my opinion, this supply chain disruption, this is going to spark off the crack up boom, the massive run for inflation, because people are going to scramble for anything and everything because nothing is being produced right now, if we're to believe Mm. the news, but they're still focused on, well, we don't see any inflation anywhere. You know, it's going to hit them on the back of the head like a two by four when the inflation does come. And then they're going to be in a completely different mode, but it's going to be too late by that point. Yeah. But so once, once inflation, once once the inflation that is real, not the PCE, you know, the real consumer price index for people who actually interact in this real world, once it is revealed that it's has always been well beyond our two percent, it's not going. It's going. There's no. There's not going to be a way to reel it back in because they they can't increase interest rate. I mean, they they could try. They could you know, but yet this entire ten year expansion is built upon low rates. So the moment the rates do go back up, if they try to, then everything comes apart as well. So if it stays the same, it comes apart. If they raise interest rates to go back up, because all this debt that's problematic now is all based upon already artificially low rates. Yeah. So it's yeah. an end no matter what. Yeah. And I've been writing for years now that, you know, you can't just you can't measuredly, objectively, you can't just gracefully, you can't just normalize interest rates. There, We are so far gone past the point of normalizing interest rates. Yeah. Interest rates are going to continue to go down until the entire bond market just blows up. That's what's going to happen. And then once the bond market blows up, then that's when you have the reset. That's when everything gets readjusted and a real rate of inflation comes into the market. But until then, it's just constant downward pressure on interest rates, right? And then the bond market is just going to blow. Um, yeah. So there's, so there's no like sticking to the mainstream narrative or sticking to the narrative of everything is fine and good. You know, they have everything under control only puts you at that much more risk of losing everything. If you're solely 100 percent invested in this current paradigm, that's one big experiment that's unraveling now. So, yeah, just more. It's just more of a lesson to learn about the importance of getting your weight up, You're like mm-hmm. focusing on what I consider monetary constants like gold, silver. Anything from the periodic table are constants. They don't fluctuate in any form of fashion. The only thing fluctuates is the denominated price that they're listed in. So gold and silver, like somebody mentioned in the chat, you know, silver or gold is up above like 1620. That's great. But gold is not really up. The dollar is down. So the valuations of these constants will fluctuate, but it's better to be constantly holding something of substance that to be playing around and looking at numbers all the time, hoping that it doesn't go up or does go down. And 
Yeah, just just yeah, stick to what works. <laughs> yeah. So and then think about this, right? What is the message we get from our politicians, right? We're going to figure out ways that we can make access to credit easier so people can keep borrowing and keep spending. Yeah. That's the message from any politician in the United States at the federal level. Any one of them. How yeah. can we make access to credit easier so people can borrow more and spend more? That's what the message is here in the United States. Which brings me into that other topic I want to talk topic that I want to bring up, which is what happened in Mexico earlier this month. Yes, sir. Because that's flown totally under the radar. But just think about this, right? Think about how anybody who's an American, think about how like politicians in America are signaling to Americans. Yeah. And then think about how politicians in other countries signal to other people. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Mexico earlier this month, and this actually happened on the 5th, um, this congressman uh, put in, you know, introduced this, um, they don't call it introducing legislation. They called it introducing, um, what's the word that they use? I can't remember the exact word. Um, um, not legislation. They call it, I can't remember. Anyway, but anyway, here's the point, right? Mm -hmm. This Mexican Senator, he's essentially what would be the equivalent of a U.S. Congressman. So he's not yeah. like a Senator. He's more like a Congressman because he's on the yeah. lower house in the Mexican yeah. Congress. On February 5th, he started saying a bunch of things, right? And I summarized what he said. And let me just, and this is below the video there, but yeah. let me let me read off a few of the things that this Mexican said before Congress in Mexico, what yeah. this federal politician said. He said, silver produced in Mexico should stay in Mexico and be used to strengthen Mexicans' savings. Mm-hmm. There's currently no real way for people to save as currency and bank devalues over time. No yeah. modern currency, including the U.S. dollar, and he also said virtual currencies, are backed mm -hmm. by anything. But we can back the Mexican peso with silver, and it'd be a great benefit, not just to Mexicans who are savers, but to all of Mexico. We've mm -hmm. been trying to do this for a very long time, and it keeps getting squashed by the monetary authorities. Sometimes it's the Bank of Mexico. Sometimes it's the Finance Commission. <laughs> Hugo Salinas' price has been – and he actually mentioned Hugo Salinas' price by name. He said, Hugo Salinas' yeah. price has been fighting this fight for years, and he's right. It would be a great move to show Mexico's independence and sovereignty. Yeah. The bottom line is he's saying, hey, we are the world's biggest producer in silver. And he said that, right? And he said, mm -hmm. we need to make silver something uniquely Mexican that we can have as circulating as a vehicle for savings. So yeah. the average Mexicans can save money. What are they talking about? They're talking about, hey, we need to save money and it needs to be out of fiat currency. Here, mm -hmm. what are we talking about? Let's figure out how to give you access more to credit so you can spend more. Right. Yeah. So just think about this dichotomy there. It just blows my mind, Mike. Yeah. It's all about state. You know, the, the everything is done. And so here's another thing. So over the last couple of weeks, I've had a chance to speak to a lot of financial experts. Those that when I say financial experts, they're licensed by the very same entities that of the products they sell. And so all those financial instruments that they sell, they're licensed. So they're accredited. So they're able to say things. So when we speak, because we're not licensed, we have to make, always say a disclaimer. This is not financial advice. This is just one man's opinion. But yet one thing I've noticed, a common trend that all the financial people that are licensed, they're limited to what they can say because they operate in their own interests of making sure people stay in that system. And so I had an interview yesterday and I asked the gentleman about gold and he is like, you know, yeah, we don't really, uh, yeah, I don't really do nothing with that. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking like, wow, like, but you know, gold is money. Like, and he's old enough to have known the importance of gold period, but it doesn't really help him or his company to get people into something physical that 
he is not really needed in order for them to actually have it themselves. So mm -hmm. it's always about keeping people in the system to keep commission fees going so that people can continue to think about this current narrative of allocating and putting your future in the hands of somebody else so that they'll manage your stuff for you, whatever, mm -hmm. as opposed to you being responsible for your own future. That's just yeah. due to lack of financial literacy and everything else. So, yeah. And, 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 but, and, you know, so this is, you know, if there's a silver lining, to the i don't have my note card anymore but yeah. the you know the outbreak uh, yeah the if, there's a, if there's a silver lining to the outbreak is that every single person in the whole world is going to have to to one degree or another and in some places more than others have to start bringing back that power of you know i have the power over my own future which includes what i'm doing with my money and what i'm doing with my work and what i'm doing with my savings and retirement yeah. and anything like that right because because you know if 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 we're entering the global economic collapse which is going to be a very nasty like 100 year like if this is like a 100 year pandemic and we're entering the global economic collapse then people mm. are going to have to start pulling out of that system because they're going to have to take care of their own. Yeah. And that's what, that's what it's going to boil down to is taking responsibility for yourself. And the problem with that is that we haven't been taught, groomed or prepared to do such, but I want to, you know, as we get ready to draw back, I want to bring to your attention an article that I think can help people kind of understand like, you know, what, I, what we're talking about here. And so let me see, here we go. So here's an article today that I came across, and it says Fidelity customers freaked out Wednesday when a tech glitch caused their 401k balances to drop to zero. And so this was a short little blog or a little post here, but just the very concerns of having the entire life savings and dependency in the hands of institutions that are a part of this whole trapped in system. And to have it solely in a digital form to where you look at your phone one day and you see zero balance. Like imagine the disappointment. And of course, it's just a glitch. But then again, one day it will not be a glitch. <laughs> and think about if all your world is tied into some type of digital whatever based upon a company handling it for you, you stand all the risk of losing everything that you thought was there. And on top of it, when it comes to 401ks, it is not insured. And so it's one of those things where all the risk falls on you and very little reward in the short term. So I, I think this is something that we can learn from because as of now, it's a glitch. But one day it will not be a glitch, in my personal opinion. So, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and, and a couple more thing about glitches, right, is that, you know, this is also going to be like 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 right now, it's kind of like a no harm, no foul. Whoops, our bad, our mistake. Yeah. But what if the market's going down, right? Because glitches are notorious when the market's going down. And, you know, what do people want to do when the market's going down? They want to sell and they want to get they out of that. But if they, if they don't have any access to their funds or if they don't have access to their brokerage account or if they can't sell any of their shares, I mean, mm -hmm. how is how are they even going to do that? That's one. And, and, yeah. and then number two is, you know, it's like, you know, even if it is a glitch, right? It could also take time for these things to sort themselves out. Whether they were able to get it back up and running within the day or not, that's one, you know, best case scenario. But these things in and of themselves, depending on what they are, they could take some time mm -hmm. to be worked out. And then time right. is money, obviously, right? Right. And it, and I think ultimately, and I've once again, because I follow this retirement self probably a little bit more than normal. I've, I've seen different hedge funds and money managers who operate on behalf of individuals with, you know, in the millions, billions or whatever, 
whenever there's a panic sell-off in some area because of the amount of risk now that has been passed on to the holders of these accounts because of all all in the all all chasing returns so they got to go out there and be a little bit more riskier when it's time to get out of those things they're not as liquid as they used to be when it was just more simpler products now these products are so complicated that you can't just sell them out so what they've done is they've actually shut off access for people to get to their funds and not even if you can't even get to it you can't even sell it so what's going to happen in this digital age we're in now is just that kill switch will be cut on. They're, they're going to just say, uh, you know, no trades, no sell offs, no nothing. Please. Yep. We're sorry. We'll get back with you next week. You know, like type of things. And imagine the, the, how pissed off you're going to be if you're trapped in a system, which yeah. is just built into the cake because yeah. they, they can't afford to let you actually get out of it because once again they don't have enough cash sitting there to give it to you so that's right that's right you bring up some great points we're talking about like gating in investors mm-hmm. so that's one of the terms that's used and you bring up an awesome point because um you know people want to start getting their because it's written into the terms and conditions right mm-hmm. i mean who reads terms and conditions right these things are I like mean. you know pages and pages and pages and pages and pages long and like if we read the terms and conditions out of everything that we do in life in the modern area we would never do anything in our entire life other than read terms and conditions that's how <laughs> ridiculous our society is but my point with that is you know investors whether they know it or not they signed up for these terms and conditions. So mm-hmm. what happens is, like, say you're invested in some sort of hedge fund or mutual fund or something like that. You're trying to get your money out. Well, they got to go sell some bonds to be able to give you your money. But if nobody wants these bonds or if these bonds have gone down in value or if something like that, then they can't give you your money. So that's why they lock these people in. And then the fund just slowly starts to go bankrupt. And then you just lose your money. And sorry, that's the terms and conditions. And we did what we could. And you understood the risks, right? So, yeah. I mean, this is a massive mess in the making this is a mess in the making and and you know and i don't want to switch topics here um but i just want to make one say one thing real quick before i forget um it's very interesting watching the price of crude oil right now because we're talking about like prices and inflation and stuff and Mm -hmm. you know we know that there's going to be a drop in oil demand i don't understand how there cannot be a drop in oil demand coming off of this um flights stopping cargo ships not moving um economic activity not pumping out at the factories there will, in fact, be a drop in oil demand, but oil prices are going up, Mike. Oil prices have been going up. We're back up close to $55 again, and everybody's talking mm-hmm. about the bottom's going to fall out. You're ready for the low 20s. So the question that I have is, is the monetary inflation and money printing essentially now starting to outpace the net, um, mm-hmm. starting to be on net more of an influence on the price of oil than the drop in demand? I mean, these are like, wow, this is all coming to a four. You're saying by summer we might not even get through spring but i didn't mean to change up the subject no, that's fine because once again like you know so who who who's the one propping and pumping and buying is the question to cause all this stuff to go up and that and of course you know the 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 let me see the 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 tin foil hat in me always says that what about that missing 21 trillion and 35 trillion 35 trillion from the pentagon budget and you know so it is is the federal reserve actively purchasing or was that 21 missing trillion already set aside for a rainy day petrodollar slush fund to keep this thing up to prolong it like you know what's the chance of that actually being the case that 21 missing trillion because everybody mentions it i don't touch on it much but when markets going up in an upside down world somebody's doing it and when it's in the digital economy anybody can do it so what's the chance it's that extra slush fund is that was taken or extracted 
This yeah, oh, no, totally. That extra is less fun. But, you know, I don't even think that it stops at the $21 trillion because, you know, the other thing is, is it has evolved to that. What do they call it? Like the FASA B or I can't remember the term that they used. Rob, Rob Kirby was talking FASA, with you. Yeah, yeah, no, so off. yeah. But basically where like, you know, the government and any kind of you know, national security reason, any which even boils down to companies, right, mm -hmm. cannot say what's actually going on in their books for national security reasons. Mm -hmm. So and I'm sure that it's way more than just 21 trillion. Well, this, this, this health scare is definitely qualifies as national security type issue to where at this point, you know, it, there's no amount of money or no amount of currency. that can be written on somebody's checkbook to cover some of the potential losses, because if there are substantial losses that will cause markets to correct, then that right there goes the uh, petrodollar system, because it's, it, I, I doubt the world is w willing to just re, re up, back into the same system that's entrapped them as well with all the sanctions and the, the, the heavy debt loads that they're carrying and the, the destruction of their currencies because everything is pegged in dollars, it seems. So, yeah, man, but no, I had to put the hat on for those that may not be aware. Just, you know, whenever we go far left field, which I, that wasn't really far left field, but, it, you know, it, it's one of the things that I thought was worthy of putting the cap on. So. <laughs> yeah, then we got to put it on at least once a show. That'll be good. <laughs> exactly. So. Fast, but, a fast, a fast of 56. Uh, okay. For the chat. Okay. Yeah, fast that's, the one, that's, what, that's the one that I was wondering about what the name was. So thank you yeah. for that normal, uh, normal <laughs> norm. Um, it's uh, not normal to know that right off the bat. So exactly. Um, <laughs> like, so, so that's, that's, it's got strictly a alternative media a phrase there because the only people talk about is alternative media. Like mm -hmm. I haven't seen Fox News or CNN talk about Fast B 56, have you? So No, no, not at all. And they're not going to talk about it. So All right, man. Well, hey, um, it's about 40 minutes. It's been a great back and forth as always, Mr. Half Dollar. Uh, it's always good to connect with you. And to just bounce ideas off each other and just strategize and help people see the real narrative what's out there. So um, if you've enjoyed this live stream, don't be afraid to donate with a thumbs up. So appreciate the support of those that were able and willing to, uh, to no donate a super chat. Mm -hmm. And other than that, we'll be back at it another day next time next week. Catch us tomorrow on Silver Doctors if you guys want some more of this type of back and forth. And other than that, Mr. Half Dollar, it's been great as always. Be blessed, be safe, everybody. See you guys later. Peace.